Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed them there. That it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, good morning, LLC. It's good to be with you. Maybe you had an extra cup of coffee from losing uh, an hour of sleep or tea. Um, it's a double whammy this morning. I lost an extra hour of sleep and the allergies are very real this morning. So uh, anyone else I need to take your allergy meds? Yeah, it's very, uh, spring is in full force, uh, definitely. Uh, for those that I haven't met, my name is Doug. I'm a pastor here at Lord's Love. I'm just so glad you're able to join us here this morning. And if you haven't already, uh, open up your Bibles, uh, whether physically or your app, or you can click on the link. I know a welcome team sends the link out. Uh, you can be a Gen We're in Genesis 32, 22 to 32 today. And as you do so, uh, why don't we just open up with another word of prayer. Uh, Father, we, 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 we're thankful, God, that we can gather here as a church community this morning, as family and friends, God. I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. And this morning, we need you to speak, uh, so may you meet with us this morning, and may we hear the word of God, and may we leave changed uh, after encountering you and uh, seeing your face this morning. So thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we are uh, in this current series called When We Unbelieve. And yes, my wife uh, reminded me unbelieve is not actually a word. Uh, I kind of made it up. Uh, it's unbelief is the word, but unbelieve, you know, I'm trying to be poetic here. So follow along with me. So when we unbelieve, when we go through moments of doubt and wrestling, uh, that's what we're going through. Like it, the, the, the subtitle is coming face to face uh, with our doubts. Uh, but perhaps uh, I want to, I think the passage this morning reminds us that uh, maybe it's when we come face to face with our doubts that we'll actually come face to face with God as well. That's in our moments of wrestling, with our moments of uh, unbelief and moments of fears and anxiety. That's where God uh, meets us. And the passage today is all about a defining moment. It's a defining moment in Jacob's life. And we all have these defining moments too. And I think of some of mine. I think of uh, backpacking parts of Europe uh, with Jess. Uh, it, it was a year after we were married and we we're on a super tight budget and and we also found out she was a few months pregnant at that time so um, being nauseous of milk and cheese uh, Europe was not a good choice but we went anyways 
uh, <laughs> there are parts of the trip were quite defining. Like we were stuck in Paris when our Airbnb host canceled on us. We're wandering around at 3 a.m. Champs-Élysées uh, and I wandered into a 24-hour Burger King and I tried to order a sandwich. I think I said something like, je veux un burger de poulet or something like that. And then she was like, you want a chicken burger? Do you want fries with that? I'm like, you speak English. <laughs> like, you know, so I, I think of those moments, uh, backpacking with Jess around, um, or I think about my mom coming to faith when, when we were quite young and telling Duncan and I about her experience with Christ, which was a big part of me coming to my faith later on. Think of getting married to Jess and now having two kids. Uh, passing of my grandma four years ago was pretty defining of a moment for me. Reminder of the fragility of life and how fast time is really moving. Last year, I ran a marathon uh, that was more emotional than I thought uh, it would be. It was a virtual one, so there's no one at the finish line. Uh, it was just by myself and I ran into this empty parking lot space. And But it was, it was a lot more emotional than I thought because of the training and the exhaustion. And this uh, it was a marathon. It, it was a lot of work uh, to go through something like that. Uh, or I think about the missions trips I've been on. Um, one of them, Pan uh, Panama, uh, was a defining one where I first heard my call to full-time ministry. Another one was to Macau, which was the first uh, first uh, uh, short-term missions team that I've led. So those are some de defining moments of, of my life. Uh, but also think of this year. Uh, this is my seventh year of full-time ministry uh, already here at, at Lord's Love. It is also my sabbatical year. Uh, I'm actually taking August off, um, so I'll be away for that time just to Sabbath and to rest. But I'm also going on with some more training as well. For some of you, you might know I've applied to a school in Toronto at Tyndale Seminary. It's part time, three years. Uh, I'll, I'll still be around, so I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but just furthering my schooling and, and pursuing God in, in that way. And why seven years is significant, not just the sab sabbatical year, but on average, apparently, North America, someone sent me this article this week uh, that pastors on average stay for five years. So uh, two more years of God's grace, I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, but I, I'm thinking about defining moments. And all of you have these defining moments of life. And as you think back, I'm sure they're kind of coming forward uh, to your mind right now. Some of them positive, some of them not so positive. So what are some of your more defining moments? Because as I mentioned, Jacob is having one of those defining moments today uh, in the passage here and it wasn't on a mountaintop it was in a valley it was by a stream it was in the darkness and the quiet it was in the lowest point of his life that he has this defining moment where he meets with god and everything changes and just to paint a picture a little bit more if you haven't had an opportunity to read through genesis uh, i really encourage you because if you think all the dramas we watch on tv are dramatic you read through genesis and you're like wow like you know that's drama uh, right there. But Jacob was a twin and his brother's name is Esau. And there was tension already in the womb. Uh, we read in scripture that uh, scripture tells us that they struggled uh, within the womb uh, already with one another. And even when they were born, Esau came out first. So he's the firstborn. And J Jacob was said to come out grasping at his heels, uh, which is what his name means. Jacob grasping at the heel, which is a Hebrew idiom for he deceives. So from the moment he was born, he was grasping at people's heels. Uh, he was deceiving uh, people. And Jacob, from the moment he was born, struggled with inferiority. Uh, ority. Uh, his brother Esau was, again, the firstborn. He is um, manly and hairy and, and a hunter, uh, whereas he felt in, uh, uh, inferior to, to his brother there. And what makes it worse is that his father, Isaac, favored Esau, the firstborn. 
and 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 really preferred Esau. And and as we think back to that, there's really nothing more wounding to a man than not having the love of his father, father, um, not receiving that love, not receiving that that affection. And Jacob was looking for affirmation because of this, because of family history, looking for affirmation in all sorts of places and all sorts of wrong places. And he only got his this affirmation and this blessing later on by tricking his father. You might remember that. He he pretended to be Esau and he went to get the blessing that was meant for the firstborn. His father was old and blind and maybe not in you know in the in the right mind at that point and blessed and blessed him and stole the blessing from uh, from from uh, Esau, and when he got his blessing, though, and even though he deceived his brother Esau and stole his birthright for, for a bowl of soup, uh, he still wasn't satisfied. Uh, he still wasn't satisfied with his life, even though he had everything he was looking for. He still wasn't satisfied, and it's a big mess. Esau finds out he stole his blessing, says, "I'm going to kill you," and the chase is on. So he he leaves uh, the whole family, gets sent sent away uh, as a single man, and he gets sent to Uncle Laban's house. Uh, and Uncle Laban uh, wasn't much better uh, <laughs> of an experience because Jacob, the deceiver, who deceived so many others, including his brother and his father, he ends up being deceived by Uncle Laban. Uh, and Uncle Laban uh, had him working uh, in order to marry one of his daughters. I know this sounds kind of weird. It's Uncle Laban and marrying his daughter. It's, the, it's Genesis. I told you it's drama. So, so in some sense, there, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. All right. So Uncle Laban's like, fine. You want to marry my daughter Rachel? You're gonna to have to work. You have to work for her. You have to work seven years, actually, seven years to marry, to marry, um, to marry Rachel. And I just want to pause right there. This isn't really part of the talk, but guys, he worked seven years for his girl. All right. <laughs> he worked seven years for his woman. Seven years of showing how much he wanted to marry her. And girls, if you're looking at your man, make him work a little bit. All right. I'm just saying here, like seven years here. They've got to put in an effort. I'm not going to hinge my whole, whole marriage theology on this, but I'm just saying I want to encourage you. Um, then on his wedding day, Uncle Laban deceives uh, deceives, uh, deceives uh, Jacob because instead of giving his daughter Rachel to her, gives Leah. Uh, and then they wake up the next morning and they're like, <gasps> okay, I'm just, I don't know how that happens. All right. It's a mistake. I don't know how you... Mistakes happen. Uh, you ask yourself, how do I make mistakes? Like, I don't know, right? So I'm sure it's the same thing uh, for Jacob there. And Jacob's, and then Uncle Laban's like, you still want to marry Rachel, right? It's like, yes, well, you're going to have to work for me for another seven years. And he does that. And then he ends up marrying uh, Rachel later, which is why we read he has two wives, uh, which is why we, we see um, the text here. Okay, what's the point? That's setting the context a bit. So after everything, after all of this drama, he, he flees. After marrying Rachel, he he flees. He's like, you know what? Peace out, Uncle Laban. Like, this is enough. And I'm going to leave. He's, he's on the run. And then in Genesis 31, uh, he hears the call of God uh, to, to go back to the land of his fathers, to your relatives. So in other words, to go back where Esau is, uh, the brother that he deceived, where there's so much trouble there. He gets a call from God to go back there. And now Esau, Jacob's brother, who he tricked, is waiting for him. And instead of waiting for Jacob to come back, Esau is actually coming with 400 people. Uh, you and what army, right? Well, 400 people. <laughs> like I'm coming with, with 400 people to come after you. So Jacob has been on the run for a very long time, deceiving person after person and, and getting deceived himself. But it's in this moment, it's in this context and in this moment of fear, anxiety, doubts, unbelief, uh, that God meets him. 
that God meets him right here and he has a life defining moment. And often this text is preached around the idea that Jacob wrestled with God who appeared as an angel. And I know it's kind of confusing whether it's God appearing as an angel or God himself. It doesn't take away from the point of this passage here. But that's because I don't think the focus is so much on God, uh, on Jacob wrestling with God. After all, why is Jacob able to wrestle with God at all? We'll have to take a step back. Why is he able to even have this wrestling match with God? It really wouldn't be much of a match. Uh, the fact that God, uh, Jacob could wrestle with God is a special grace in itself. The fact that he could stand there and wrestle with God, the fact that we could be here and have and wrestle with our doubts and unbelief and anxieties and, and our thoughts and our feelings is a grace of itself that God is giving us and he's giving Jacob there. Why would God even allow the wrestling to begin with, right, altogether? I'm not sure anyone here grew up watching wrestling. Uh, WWF, uh, WWE, it's a uh, confession of mine, <laughs> I guess. Growing up, uh, my mom knew we watched it, but what she didn't know was me practicing these moves on my brother. So it was, you know, a lot of rough matches. Uh, my younger brother, Duncan, you think of the rock bottom, think of Big Show's Choke Slam, Shawn Michaels' Sweet Chin Music, Rob Van Dam's Five Star Frog Splash, Gold, Gold, Goldberg's Spear, all these things. I practiced many of them. Um, and they tell you not to do it in your home, but I did them anyway. Uh, then I found out it was all fake, right? I found out it was all fake and it wasn't real. And I, but I kept doing the moves anyway. Uh, it didn't matter. Uh, regardless, the rest, the wrestlers, even though they're super athletic, it's all staged, right? They knew the moves, they communicated each other. It's super painful, but still, it, it, was, it was all staged. If you were there that day with Jacob and God, that match would have been even more fake. Right, because he's God would have been like, oh no, you know, I don't know, like you know, like oh, you're, you know, you're getting me. Like I'm just imagining that, like Jacob wrestling God. It must have been so fake, because it's God. The point is, you can't wrestle with God. God is all powerful, all knowing, all supreme. Like you know, the match would have been, I don't know. And Jacob, on the other hand, is thinking he's trying really hard, right? Like he's all really going at it. Like oh, I'm putting all my best, and God's like, oh, you know, yawning in the background, kind of thing. So why does God wrestle with Jacob? That's still the question. And, and I believe here, God is pretending to be weak for a purpose. God is pretending to be weak for a purpose to teach Jacob a lesson and to give him a blessing, really. And that's the point uh, this morning, the big idea for us that, that God, he doesn't want a wrestling match. He wants a moment with Jacob. That God doesn't want a wrestling match with us. He wants a moment. He wants a moment with Jacob where he finally gets him all alone and be like, you know what? I want to bless you. I want to have this conversation with you. I want to be your God and your father. He doesn't want a wrestling match with us. We think that God of the universe is always out to get us, but he is out to get you, but to have a moment with you, <laughs> to sit there and to have a relationship with you, to have a conversation with you. And I think this applies for us this morning, that God wants a moment with us as well as how he has wanted a moment with Jacob. And God wants a moment removed of all distractions, where it's just me and him, it's just us and him, it's just Jacob and God. What do we read in the text here? Verse 22, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with them till daybreak. Now, sometimes to hear and to meet God, we just need to be alone. 
we just need to be by ourselves, just me and God, just us and God together, no other distractions. And I love the recent spiritual disciplines community learning we just had where we learned to listen to God. Led by Amy, we learned to listen to God. We learned to to hear him, to pray and to journal and to, and to just have our silence. Um, it's really a hard discipline for us to have these days. But sometimes we just need to be alone. We need to be in the quiet. We need to uh, be in the quiet in order to hear and to meet God. And notice in the text here, Jacob was left alone, right? Uh, it was after his whole family crossed the river and all his possessions were gone. He has literally left with nothing. He was literally just by himself. And I think this is true that sometimes what we think are blessings keep us from the actual greatest blessing of being with God. That the things that we've gathered around us that we call blessings, the things that we hold on to as security, the things that we think are the greatest blessing actually aren't the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing we can receive as, as human beings really is the presence of God, the presence of the Almighty, the presence of a Father who knows us inside and out, a God that knows every part of us. And some of you might be thinking, my computer games are fun. And my PS4 is a lot of fun. I need to spend time with so-and-so. I need to spend time with my boyfriend or, or girlfriend. And I came across this uh, meme or this and subtle Christian traits this week, I thought was pretty funny. You're pretty, thank you, we should meet up. Have you accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Then we shall meet up in heaven, good night. I, I, think, I think that's pretty funny. I don't, know. I don't know why I put that in there, I just wanted to share. Maybe it's prophetic for some of you, uh, but in some sense, we, we, we need, we think there's so many blessings around us and I'm not saying those things are bad for you, or around you, but I'm saying if we're not putting our heart and our eyes focused on the right thing, then we're, 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 we're losing concentration, we're losing focus on what's the greatest thing. The greatest treasure we have is our relationship with Jesus, which makes everything else in life makes sense. I'm not saying you shouldn't go study. I'm not saying you shouldn't go hang out with your friends or you can't have alone time or me time. But when me time becomes all the time, that's a problem too. We, we need time with God. We need to build up our relationship with, with Jesus. So a question I have for us is that, uh, what are you busy with at the moment that's hindering you from seeing God? Because God's been chasing after you in a good way. To, to have a moment with you, to speak with you, to, to love you and to, and to care for you. And it's often in the trials and the unbelief of life that all of, all of the things of life get pushed out of the way and help us to focus on what's most important. Just like COVID did for us in the last year, help us to focus and remember what's most important in our lives. So the question is, what are you busy with at the moment that's hindering you from seeing God? And sometimes it's a long wrestling match. This was the wrestling match that was all night, all the way to daybreak. I, I don't know, he was sitting there in the fire, all of a sudden a man just comes and you know, grapples with him and wrestles with him. And some of you are in a very long season and you're wondering when is it gonna come? When is the end going to come? But God is calling you in this moment, what does perseverance look like for you this season? What does it mean to follow God and to persevere in the current season? What does that look like? And it might look like wrestling all night long, grueling match uh, altogether where you're just downright exhausted, but the end is coming. God also wants a moment with us too, not only to be alone, uh, not only by ourselves, uh, removed of all distraction. God wants a moment removed of our strengths as well. 
You notice in the text here, what, is it, what does it say? When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Simply put, our strengths, just like those distract, uh, distractions that we think are blessings, our strengths can also keep us from God. Our strengths can keep us from God. Sometimes God just needs to break down our pride and to break down our strengths in order to come for us to come face to face with Him. I'm not sure any one of you have gone rock climbing before, maybe a fellowship event or bouldering. Uh, and anyone else have tried that and you're holding on for dear life, you know, on the top of the, <laughs> on top of the, on top of the cliff. And you're like, oh, I hope I don't fall, even though there's a rope. Well, I learned later on that you're not actually meant to use your arms and your hands, even though you need to be strong and you need a strong back and strong arms and everything, but you meant to use your legs, right? To, to push yourself up. Like you need strong legs in order to be a good climber. And you need, in the same way, you need strong legs in order to be a good wrestler. As many sports, many kind of movements, you need strong legs and, and a strong core. And a little bit of research, uh, that I found out that the muscles around the ligaments around your hip, the muscles and ligaments around your hip, like that's some of the strongest in the body, which is why anyone watch like shows like ER and stuff like that, where they're trying to pop the hip back and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so much work. It's because those muscles and ligaments are so strong around there. They're the strongest in the human body. Yet this is exactly where God touches. Like this is exactly the point where God touches and not with a huge wrestling move, but with a touch of his finger that just like, you know, pops up his hip, like just like that. Like, you know, he just touches it and he's like, Oh, you know, it's what happened to me. I don't know. Like, you know, his hip just kind of pops off right there. But why, like, why does God pop his hip at that moment? And it's not because God couldn't handle him. All right, like that's what we understand here. It's not because God couldn't handle him. What God was doing here was repositioning Jacob to receive his blessing because his strength was in the way. He could see the tenacity of, 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 of Jacob and, his, and his, how hard he's trying to wrestle with him. And he's saying, well, this is enough is enough. You know, it's already day, daylight. <laughs> you know, to show you, to, for, in order for you to have a face-to-face -face with me, to understand who I am, I'm going to take away your strengths at this moment so he can come face to face with me and i believe in removing his strengths it, 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 jacob was just left with his weakness there and god doesn't want to wrestle with us just to prove how strong he is he doesn't need to he doesn't need to prove how strong he is he wrestles with us and with jacob here to show how weak jacob is to show how much in need of of god jacob is it's just with the touch of his finger that the match is over just like that. And they were just play fighting the whole time before that. And it's strange because sometimes in our lives, and maybe you're caught up like this too, and I, I'm definitely caught up in this, is that we rely on our competence and we rely on our strengths. But we see here that our competence can keep us from being complete. That our, comp our, our competence and our strengths keep us from the fullness of God, keep us from fully experiencing Him, keep us from seeing God for who He is. We think our competence, we can rely on, on it until something happens in life and we're like, well, that strength is gone or I thought I was this and that, but I'm not who I thought I was anymore and I'm feeling incomplete. It's because we were relying on the wrong things the whole time. We're not, to rely, we're not meant to rely on our strengths, but we're meant to rely on God. And all Jacob had left was just to cling on to God. Um, and he, and then he says, I'm not going to let you go. I'm still going to hold on to you until you bless me. And I think we have a choice here as well. That in our wrestling, in our unbelief, we have a choice. 
either to let go and just to lie down and you know give up or to continue clinging on to God as difficult as it might be with the little strength that we have to cling on to him. That when we're cleared of our strengths, are we going to hold on to God? Or are we going to let go altogether? And we're going to lie there feeling incomplete when God is there with us and God is there for us already. And some of you this morning, you, maybe you're relying on your gifts and your talents, and maybe they're God-given even. Even though they're God-given, we're not meant to rely on them more than rely on God. Uh, maybe you're relying on your mind, your intellect, or your finances. The question, the second question I have for you is like, what strengths are you relying on more than God himself? And maybe this morning we need to work through some of that and to let go and be like, God, I actually need you. I need to cling on to you. I need to give my strengths back to you. Acknowledge all these good and perfect gifts are from you alone. And that's the reason why I'm able to do what I'm able to do. So I want to challenge you this morning as well, that for you to often to put yourself in a place where you feel uncomfortable, where you have to put exercise a little bit of faith. And I know that's scary to exercise that, to put yourself in a moment that's uncomfortable, where you have to rely on God and not your own strengths. Moments where you have to trust God, moments where you have to pray, you have to rely on other people, you have to have to come before God and be like, I don't know how to do this without you. And maybe that's your way of training up your faith. Uh, so instead of running away from God, we run towards Him in those moments of unbelief, in those moments of, 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 of wrestling. So first we, we learn that we need, God wants a moment with us where we remove our distractions. He also wants a moment with us where we're removed of our strengths. Thirdly and lastly, God wants a moment ultimately with us to bless us and to rewrite our story, to rewrite everything all together. What do we read? In verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And that simple answer is a great confession. It's a great confession of who he is. God knew the answer to that question. He knew he was Jacob. The question, again, what just like last week, and Jesus asking the Father, this week with God asking Jacob, the question isn't for God, it's for Jacob himself. And it was in his wrestling and in this moment that Jacob realized who he is, that God was helping him to realize that Jacob has been living out his name deceiver the whole time, up to this moment. Jacob's name, again, means heel grabber, means the deceiver. And he's been grabbing at Esau's heel. He's been tripping up other people around him and deceiving other people around him. And now, just like a wrestler who trips people, God is like, you want a tripping match? You want a wrestling match? I'll give you one. I'll give you one for, for your life. And he gets, and now he's wrestling with God. And God's point is that Jacob has been living out his name this whole time as a deceiver in his entire, entire life, and it was time to stop. It was time, the defining moment where it ends, comes to an end, where the old has gone and the new has come with, with him meeting with God at this moment. But God is also telling Jacob, the man, that what you've been living as, what you've been doing, that isn't the man I made you to be. That's not the person I have created you to be. The ways that you've fallen off, the decisions that you have made, that's not who I have designated and designed and want you to be. You see, when, when we're removed of our distractions we're, and we're removed of our strengths and we come face to face with God, that's when God rewrites a new story. That's when God rewrites a new story in our lives. 
And some of you and some of us are letting our history define us today. The mistakes we made in the past are still defining us today. Some of us are still living as if we never knew Christ. Some of us are still letting the lies of others and what they've said about us, whether it's family or friends, define us instead of who God says we are. But God doesn't end right here by, with this confession. All the ways that Jacob has gone wrong, he has given him a new name. He has given him a new life. And God is doing the same for us today. In verse 28, Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him right there. It's always been about a blessing from the beginning. A moment to bless and a moment to rewrite the history of wrongs that Jacob has been a part of. And this isn't merely a name change. Biblically, when names are changed, part of the part of the reason is to change in ownership of who you belong to. But second of all, is a change in character and a change in destiny. He's no longer the deceiver. He is the one that has wrestled with God. He is the one that struggled with God and has overcome. He is the one now that he's not the deceiver anymore. He's the one that's come face to face with God of the universe. And God wants a moment with us to replace and to rewrite all our wrongs. God wants to fill our hearts with a new song today. And maybe he did a long time ago, but you've fallen away. And we're wrestling with our doubts and our unbelief for a long time. Well, God wants to do it again today and the day after and the day after that because our God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and infinite chances because that's who our God is. And maybe you're not proud of your decisions and maybe some of you are still experiencing the pain of the decisions that you once made. But God is saying today, just like how he said to Jacob, you'll no longer be defined by the past. You no longer be defined by your past mistakes. You no longer be defined by your present failures even. I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new heart. I'm giving you a new identity to be free in me, to be loved by me. And for Jacob, this must have meant the world. Growing up without affirmation, imagine what this must have meant to be heard by his heavenly father, you are loved. And you are known and to be known as the one that's contended and struggled with God, a new identity altogether. So God uses moments of wrestling to grow our character. You might be wondering, why am I going through doubt and unbelief and fear and anxiety? Perhaps God is using this moment to grow you, to grow your, your character. God is using this moment of wrestling so that you could see him face to face. God uses moments like this ultimately to bless us, to have a moment with us. God just wants a moment with you. But we're so busy every day running around and we ignore him so often. Did you know that out of this man who messed up, who was a deceiver, God was able to do good things? Did you know that out of Jacob and all the ways that he's been deceived by having these two, two wives, this is where the 12 tribes of Israel came from? Out of the brokenness of and the messiness of this story, God is able to do good things. We know he has 11 sons here, but as he goes back home later, he's embraced by his brother and, he, and, and, and things are being reconciled again. Rachel has their 12th son, the youngest son, Benjamin, to complete the 12. And that's the beginning of the 12 tribes of Israel, of the nation of Israel that we know 
know of today that God is going to bless and the covenant that he has promised his people. And out of the brokenness and the mess that you might think your life is, God is able. God is able to turn the page and the story around with a moment of wrestling. Just like he did with Jacob in a moment of wrestling with you, the unbelief uh, that we might be experiencing. God looked weak in this moment. Hear this. God looked weak in this moment so that we can be made strong. In his wrestling match, God looked weak in order for us to to be made strong. And I think, and we have to connect this this morning, that on the cross, Jesus looked weak in order for us to be blessed, in order for us to be made strong. God came down as a human being to be weak, to be among us, to suffer a life, and to be crucified on the cross that he did not deserve, to be weak so that we can be blessed, so that we can be made strong. And here we get a picture of how God has overcome all things, even though it seems like he's being overcome by the situation around us. And I just want to end by saying this, that that God can do a great work in your life. That God can do a new work in your life. is not a, a past tense, but he's still doing it today. He's still rewriting our story. He's still doing great things. And when we're coming up against our unbelief, when you feel like the wrestling is too much and our unbelief is too much, our doubt is too much, remember that God doesn't want a wrestling match. God wants a moment with you to say that you're loved and you're cared for as my son and my daughter. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are loved by you. Thank you that in our wrestling and in our doubts, in our fears, God, you're there and you're with us. Father, I pray for the men and women here, brothers and sisters that have joined us this morning from around the lower mainland, God, wherever it is. You know our hearts. You know our fears. You know our unbeliefs. You know, God, our past and our mistakes and our histories, things that still haunt us to this day. And Father, I pray in this day that you will fill us afresh again with your Holy Spirit that you would remind us of our identity in you, that we would be known as sons and daughters of God, that even though we still have these wounds, your blood and your body is covered over a multitude of sins of our past, God, that we are whole today. And we are known by you today. And I pray, Lord, for that blessing over us, that we will know you in that way. And just like Jacob, who has been redefined and loved again and known your love again, may we experience your love again afresh this morning. Thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord.